Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast. We are sitting here with Gino Barbaro. That's right. Welcome, Gino. Thank you for being on the show with us. Guys, how you doing? Doing great. Very doing good. great. So uh, I've known Gino for a while now. Uh, he's actually been very integral in uh, helping coaching me along through uh, our first larger multifamily asset uh, acquisition, uh, 94 unit in Kentucky. Uh, Gino comes from a very uh, diverse background. Yeah, he very familiar to us, started yes. in the uh, restaurant world and uh, saw a future in real estate. And we'd love to know a little bit more about your path and your journey and uh, just tell us where you're at now. So how'd you get started? Um, I got started, I think, more, more out of necessity than anything else. Uh, I just didn't like what I was doing anymore. I was in the restaurant for 20 years, back in 08, you know, when, when 08 happened. Yep. It was a size was shit for every industry. Uh, once real estate gets affected, everyone who works in the industry gets affected. That means people go out less, less food. And also the internet started taking over. It started hurting. I wouldn't say hurting, but really helping every business scale up. And when you're a mom and pop operator, you have one place, it doesn't help. And you have a partner like my brother who wanted to stay back there. It's fine. I just wasn't making the money. And I just felt like I was trapped. Basic, you know, I was around 40 years old looking for something more to do. I ended up going to coaching school and not to get certified, but just for self-development. And that opened my eyes up. I said, I need to do something. So I figured out my why. And I figured out from the why, I figured out real estate. I figured out how. Um, fast forward to like February 2013, Jake and I bought our first deal. He was uh, up in in Rochester. He grew up, came down to where I was. He was a drug rep, pharmaceutical rep. He was moving to Knoxville, Tennessee, because he wanted to get out of the high cost of living. Living in a one bedroom up in New York wasn't, wasn't great. So he moved to Knoxville. Great market down there. You know, Jason, everyone's going down south as far as jobs, as far as employment, <clears throat> the weather, low cost of living, no state income tax. I mean, they had it all in Tennessee. So he went down there and that's what happened. I just ended up partnering with him, uh, found a great relationship. I love partnering. I think partnerships are fantastic. I think everyone should find a partner, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a business partner. It just adds a lot because you have different skill sets. See how you got happy you guys are? I mean, it's great doing things together in tandem because when you're feeling crappy, she's going to make you feel better. And when she's feeling crappy, you're going to make her feel better. That's what partners do. You get on the call and you help each other out and you work each other out. Listen, we had a podcast this morning. It was hard with my podcast. It didn't go well. My partner is all psyched. It's okay. It was supposed to be that way. And I'm like, really? So it's, it's, it's always that it's, you can't quantify the amount of, I guess, you know, help that you can help each other out and just basically try to get similar skill sets or similar visions. We both didn't want to fix and flip. We both wanted to multifamily. We both wanted to generate passive income and we both wanted residual, I guess, generational wealth. That's what we wanted. So if he wants to fix and flip and I want to buy, you know, multifamily, it's not going to work. So both be on the same page, both have a set of morals and set of ethics and both have the same kind of vision. And I don't think partnership should be any problem at all. I've had a couple of really good ones. Nice. And just for, for listeners sake, I, I mean, you talked very um, clear about not wanting to fix and flip. And I think that that's a huge point here is when people jump into real estate, sometimes, I mean, we've all been guilty of it too, just jumping from one thing to the next. What was the big delineation? What was the big point of not doing maybe wholesaling, fix and flipping or, and really sticking with multifamily or even buy and hold, but not doing small buy and hold, jumping right into larger buy and hold. 
Well, for me, it was a blessing in disguise. I had a full-time job, so I couldn't, didn't want another full-time job. And fix and flipping on a small scale, I was speaking to this about with one of my students this morning. On a small scale, fixing and flipping is a job. If you really want to scale up and want to do 100 homes a year, that's a business. That's asset management. That's almost like multifamily, right? Mm-hmm. But when you first start out, you get into that trap of making 20 grand a home. It's almost like you're getting a paycheck. And I didn't want that. There was no tax benefits for me. I was already working a full-time job. There's no residual income. And it was going out and finding the next deal. Deal. I, that didn't attract me. I'm glad that, that I'm glad that I was in a full-time job not to have that. Now, if you're starting out, there's nothing wrong with fixing and flipping a wholesale. If you need a few bucks, chunks of cash. But what I would tell people is pick a niche and really try to master it, whether it's wholesaling, master leasing, fixing and flipping, uh, you want to you know buy and hold, whatever it is, single family homes, multifamily homes, mobile home parks, pick your specific niche and become really good at that niche. And once you become really good at that niche, niche it down even more. We're the mom and pop kings. We focus on B and C properties. You know what we focus on. Now we're on the, you know, hundred units plus. We're looking at emerging markets. We're looking at a couple of cities. So really focus on your niche and then focus on the market itself and look for those markets because you don't want to be into too many markets at one time. We speak about it a lot. If you're looking at Louisville, Kentucky, and then you're looking at San Antonio, Texas, and you're looking at, uh, you know, Dallas, Fort Worth, there's a lot of stuff going on. When you're first starting out, especially pick one market, really learn it intimately. See like behind you, those maps, you want to know exactly where you want to focus focus on the city, go focus on that part of the city and just forget about everything else and focus on there. And all of a sudden, what you begin to focus on starts to expand. So you'll start seeing more multifamily deals. But if you're chasing rabbits where you're looking to fix and flip here, and then you're looking at a 10 unit there, it becomes confusing. And it's, that's, I, that, that leads to, I would say disaster. That's what happened with me. I started out with a mobile home park. I didn't know what I was doing. It wasn't the investment that stunk. My philosophy at the time stunk and I wasn't ready. And that's why I failed because I didn't have the education. I didn't do the diligence on the deal. So it's never really the deal. It's more either it's more the sponsor that is is wrong. Because if the deal is wrong, the sponsor's not going to buy it. So I mean that that's that's right. That's where I uh, analyze deals. And you and you talked about a lot uh, the mom and pop philosophy. So maybe you can give us a little more context on that because it's very a very sure. specific niche of of multifamily owners and and what you can find in that niche. I think mom and pops are prevalent in every industry. Sure, my business was mom and pop. I ran it really well, but the mom and pop I can't scale it. I have no systems. There was an, I didn't have a POS system. I had a cash register because it's a cash business. So there's no systems in place. In real estate, you're going to go into a mom and pop. There's no application fees, right? They don't even have a computer or a website, mom, most, most mom and pops. And they're prevalent. They're all over the place, right? Mom and pops tend to be, they can be any size. We've bought 25 unit mom and pops. We bought a 281 unit mom and pop. Just, you know, they can be partners that are infighting. There can be family that's infighting. They're usually a motivated seller. They're either, you know, and motivation comes in a lot of forms. They can be bankrupt. They can be going to foreclosure. They can be relocating. They can be burned out. Partner acrimony. You can see it runs the gamut. Health issues. They just want to retire. They're burned out. They just want to get out the mom and pops. And you can see it in every business. You drive down, you know, Main Street and you can pick out businesses just by looking at it. What's tired and what's not tired. I mean, franchises work for a reason. There are systems in place. You know, franchises tend not to go to business as much as regular mom and pops because there's systems in place and it's doing it, replicating it all the same. And it's the same thing with, you know, multifamily. Once you have a system in place where you're not to manage these properties, you know, our, our three-legged framework is buy right, 
manage right and finance right. If you learn how to buy these assets right and you're financing them right, those two are done. The manage right is where the systems are in place. And that comes as time. You'll learn how to manage properties as it comes in time. But once you have that experience and you want to hire somebody, you can translate your experience into, into the person you're hiring. Sure. And your philosophy is one that you manage your own properties. Maybe give us a little more feedback about why you chose to actually do the management yourself and keep that in house. And I I know that has a lot to do with uh, your partner, Jake being in Knoxville. So maybe give it, what is the advantages and maybe the disadvantage of, there's a lot of advantages and there's a lot of disadvantages. I mean, the advantage was when we first started out, we didn't know what we were doing. And sometimes it's good when you don't know what you're doing because you're going to make mistakes and learn. So we were, you know, the first 25 units we bought, we were in the trenches. It was a weekly rental. There was a lot of work to be done. They, I mean, they, we had to knock on doors uh, to see who was paying what when we first took over Bed bugs in the property within six months, the septic system failed. I mean, drugs in the property, you know, within a year, everything was yeah. cleaned up, but we learned and we learned how to manage people. We learned how to do applications. We learned from that little 25 unit property, how to employ people, um, you know, 1099 people. So from the 25 unit, we bought a 36 unit four months later and we did the same thing. We just continued to self-manage and what multifamily allowed us to do was we allowed us to work full time, both of us and manage these properties full time. And people can't really grasp that. I'd rather have 25 units in one location than have 25 single family homes. I don't care what anybody tells me because that 25 unit in one location is a lot easier to manage with than having 20 units spread out around the prop around the city where you've got to clean 20 roof, 20 uh, driveways. You've got to, you know, cut 25 lawns, you got to take care of 25 roofs, 25 boilers. It's very labor intensive and not that you can't do it, but you're going to need a lot more people to manage that asset. So multifamily, that's what it does to you. You can really scale your business. You know, the economies of scale there and just so much easier to do it part-time while you're doing your full-time job. And then there comes that inflection point in everyone's life and everyone's career that you're going to hit a certain plateau saying, do I want to do this full-time or do I want to continue working? So, um, that's what multifamily allows us to do. And you know, the, the cons obviously are, it does take time. Um, when you're, when you're managing your own stuff, sometimes if you don't have a partner, you might not be able to look for deals. You might be, you might be consumed in the day-to-day operations where most entrepreneurs know that's not where you make your money. You make your money on closing more deals and growing your portfolio. But I think in the beginning, if you want to slow it down a little bit and really learn the business and take your lumps and learn how it is to become a good manager, then you'll have the experience to hire a qualified managing company on the back end and know what's going on, know what kind of software you need to use, know your systems, know how to hire and fire people, how to hire the good management company. So we just suck. And then as we started growing, you know, Jake was making good money with the management fees. He, he, he gets paid a management fee to manage these properties. So with that plus his draws, he was out after a year, after about a year and a half of us starting, he quit his job and started doing this full time. And we like the, it's called the vertical integration. We like to have a company that's vertically integrated where you can control everything. And, um, not, it's not even from like, you know, being hoarding the revenue, but we're able to control what happens in the, in the properties themselves. So we're able to control costs, hold costs down. And I guess from that standpoint, we're able now to look outside our market and let's say go into a Louisville or go into, um, you know, Charleston, South Carolina, where we can bring our team down there and actually grow the business. And I think a lot of investors like that aspect when you're vertically integrated, cause you're, you run a tighter ship, you have more right. controls in place and you're, you're running the tighter ship. On the flip side, like I was telling you, sometimes you're too worried about management and not worried about growing the assets. So you have to sort of try to balance those two out. Can you explain what vertically integrated means? Sure. For our listeners. Mm-hmm. 
I, I learned, I learned the thing two months ago. I didn't, know that. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant because I'm not a syndicator. I, I'm not about raising money. Basically vertically, when you're vertically integrated, your company handles everything. <clears throat> so we deal with the management prospect of it. We deal with the maintenance aspect of it. We have our accounting controls. We have legal, everything is done in house. So you have a basic control of it. Now, when you first start out, we're all vertically integrated because you have 25 units. But as you get bigger, when you have, we have almost 700 units now, when you have that many units, you need to have systems in place where there's a maintenance requests going on, you need to get to that maintenance request. When you have a manager's meeting, you need to get everybody on the same page. So that vertical integration allows you to have tighter controls on the property and to be able to run your properties more efficient. And you also, thank you for that. And you also said, um, you mentioned economies of scale. Mm-hmm. You also explained that term for our listeners. Sure. I mean, an economy of scale is basically able to, I guess, leverage your size. So when you have a 25 unit property, one instance, you have one, you have one garbage dumpster there. When you have 25 single family homes, you have 25 dumpsters all over the place. So that economy of scale, you're saving on a lot of the costs. You have one 25 unit property, you're paying property taxes on one tax parcel. You're not paying them on 25 individual units. Same thing with insurance. 25 insurance policies for those 25 houses as opposed to having one on one twenty-five. And I know people are going to push back and go, well, single families are more comfortable because that's where, that's where the thing is. But that's a problem. People are too yeah. comfortable. And if you just stop and you really think about it, would you rather do – I was talking to a guy this morning in the podcast that went south. This gentleman does yeah. – he does a hundred – he was telling me he did 10 deals this week. I haven't wow. – Nick and I, have, I think we've done – I don't know, maybe 12 deals in three years. We have 700 units. I don't want to do 10 deals in a week. That's a lot of work. Um, I mean, he's got call center. He's got a lot of stuff going on. But to me, that's a job. Because at the end of the day, you have the house, you flip it, boom, 10 grand in your pocket. But you've got so many costs involved in that. And there's nothing residual coming in at the end of the day. And you're back out hunting and hunting. So, you know, to finish answering your question, the economy of scale is basically when you're able to scale up and use those economies. So if you have a 25 unit here and a 36 unit here, all the sudden that one manager can take care of both of them. So as you're scaling up and getting bigger, you know, your, your expenses are getting bigger, but not as big as if you had just one. So yep. And maybe every repair staff, one maintenance guy may be able to handle 25 units, but can also handle 50 units. That's right. That's right. Across all the units. Exactly. So, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Well, I mean, and I think it's, it's to note that you're at 700, roughly 700 units in, in mm-hmm. over four years. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I would say that probably you would say your, your biggest piece was that 25 unit, just buying that right and being patient, getting into that and just, and just find the snowball effect throughout. But I think right. everyone has to focus on their first deal. I think, you know, uh, somebody from bigger pockets told me he's seen people have done no deals and multiple deals. He's never seen somebody do one deal. Yep. Either start and get a lot of deals or they never start because out of fear. Don't listen to your neighbor or your aunt say that real estate's risky. It is risky, but most people who give you that advice have never bought real estate or have never educated themselves upon the merits of real estate. So don't, we're talking off camera about listening to people's advice. It's always great to listen to people's advice, especially, you know, like I said, I'm a father of six. I always listen to other people's advice about parenting. But if you've had one kid or you, you raised your kid 40 years ago, that knowledge is really not translating into this economy because my kids have, have phones and they have all different stuff that we didn't have 40 years ago. We have different problems that they had 40 years ago. So you have to internalize it and, and take it to yourself and see how it works for you. But that first deal is crucial because it'll give you the confidence. It'll make you the able, you're going to have a nice credibility book with 94 units. It gives you the credibility, right? You start building your team out. You start, you know, you start experiencing and then all of a sudden you get the momentum and you say, wow, yeah, a couple grand this month off this property. That's not a big thing. So then all of a sudden you start focusing and you start thinking positively and you start looking for your second deal. And inevitably six months later, you're, you're into your second deal. You don't know how, you don't know how it happened. And that's what happened with us. We, we bought our property in February. 
in July, we closed on our second property. And then in February of the next year, we closed on 136 units. So within the first year, we had over 200 units. We don't know how it happened. It just, it just, just happened. happened. We were there and we were focusing on it. And, you know, when you focus on stuff and you try to take action, good things happen. I mean, eventually yeah. things happen. And, and you hear so many people talk that they, they don't have time or they don't have the energy or they don't have money. And you're listening to a man who has six children, had his own business. Exactly. <laughs> investing out of state, you know, however far, how many miles Knoxville is away. And you were able to get into your first 25 unit deal, which. Uh, it com- Yeah, but it comes back to life coaching. So I think people yeah. really. They think it's a kooky thing. I, I love life coaching because it really comes down to a person's why. If you don't have a big enough why for anything in life, whether it's losing weight, getting healthy, uh, making more money, being financially free. I thought about being financially free my, my entire life. I didn't have the right strategies. But if people want to become financially free and they just think about it once a week, it's not happening. But if you really focus on it and, and spend a lot of energy and time in it, anybody can become financially free. And the problem with people nowadays there's too much. There's too many people uh, with with excuses. There's not enough having responsibility. If you can take responsibility for your life, listen. In my first forty years of my life, I was doing okay with myself financially, but it was my fault. It wasn't Obama's. You know, I, I people when he came to office in a way, everyone's blaming him. There were still people making millions of dollars. I wasn't one of them. So what's going on? What are those people doing that I'm not doing? So don't blame anything else other than yourself. You know, money's not the cause. Money's the result. So it's just a person's results of what they're doing right. Successful people have successful habits. Unsuccessful people have unsuccessful habits. That's really what it comes down to. So you have to figure out your reason why. Why are you doing something? And if you have a strong enough why, you know, I read Peter Diamandis' book, Bold. It's it's your massively transformative purpose. If you have a massively transformative purpose for anything, you'll figure out how to do it. It's just what it comes down to. That's just basic. And, you know, it takes you a little bit older. You got to be a little bit older to to realize that because when you're younger, you're fighting, you know, what's going on in your life. And when you get a little bit older and you're able to be a little bit more clear about stuff, it just starts to click for you. Well, what's your big why? Well, now ultimately it's my family. I just want to be a good role model for my family. So I want my kids to look at me and say, hey, dad's working hard. Dad's doing something he loves. And I want to be a good role model for them. So when my, you know, my six-year-old jokes to me now, she says, I want to marry you, dad. That's the <laughs> thing I hear because I'm actually being a good father to her and I'm the role model. And I want her to marry someone like me. Someone who's going to take care of her, <laughs> love her, respect her. And I want her to do the same to her spouse. So I just want to be a role model to them. And if I'm happy at what I do, and I'm making money doing it. That's like... That just made my heart happy. It's true though. I mean, like, and that's what I say to guys. If you want to have a a, a girl, your daughter, who's going to, you know, go out and marry somebody, treat them the way you want them, their spouse to be. It's just, it's that simple. And sometimes we don't connect, spend time with them, be present with them. When you're with them, pay attention to them. I have six of them. So I pay attention to them whenever I'm with them and I have great relationships. They're all different, but at the end of the day, they all love me and I, I love them. And that's what you want in life. And that's, that's my why. And I, you know, I started out with a, my company called Gino's family. That's what I wanted to do. I was organic gardening, bringing vegetables into the kitchen and doing videos with them. That's what I wanted to do the restaurant. My brother didn't allow me to do it, but it was a great experience. I got time yeah. in the kitchen with them. I got them to teach. And ultimately I wanted families to sit around the table and enjoy a meal, a healthy, happy meal. So, I mean, from that Jake and Gino grew, I had the experience behind the cameras. So, um, you know, your, 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 how changes, but your why I don't think changes after, you know, after a few years, it's still the same reason why. And I think the more and more Peely and I have these conversations, it's, it's pretty um, consistent that people, 
at least in this stage or, or being successful in their businesses, they have a string of habits that they've put together that are, that are successful habits. They, whether it's their mornings or their days or their routines. And, uh, you see that throughout, you know, you, you can't constantly have horrible habits and you can maybe get lucky, but if mm-hmm. you're putting yourself in a bad position and that's one thing that coaching allows you is that they can help you justify your steps. I think the other thing with coaching is I, I like you guys, every time you talk to somebody for, for the rest of your life, I want you to ask people, what do you want to do with your life? And I want you to gauge the response that people tell you. I get, bet you 90% of the people are going to tell you what they don't want because most people don't know what they want in life. Uh-huh. And, that, and that's the thing. So if you don't know what you want, how are you going to get it? Right? So I didn't know what I wanted five or six years ago. I know what I didn't want. There's two types of motivation. You're moving away from pain or you're moving towards pleasure. I was moving away from pain. I hated my situation, but I didn't know where I wanted to move to, right? So it's hard to get to the spot. It's hard to hit a target if you don't know what you're hitting at. I had the same conversation with my brother last week. He wants to get out of the restaurant business. He hates it because now it's more administrative than I used to do. It's dealing with the kitchen. So I say, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know. You really have to focus on what you want in life and ask people that you'll be blown away because people will never think about it. And cause they've never been coached before. They've never thought they've never, cause there's so much noise going on and people just don't have the ability to sit down, unplug and really plan their day out or think what they're really striving for. They're just going to work, following the same old thing. Then they wonder why they're stuck because they don't really know what they're striving for or why they're doing it. If you don't know why you're doing it, that's going to really make you really leave a big void in your life. I think. Yeah. Is your brother younger or older? He's younger. younger. He's four years younger. Yeah. And I love to get him out of the business because it's a hard business. It really is dealing with the employees, dealing with the, with the hours, the customers are harder now because they expect they demand more. There's so much more company now. And yeah. it's, it's not a fun business. You know, I used to, we used to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was okay. Now it's getting tougher now. So I like to transition him out. But like I said, he doesn't know what he wants to do. So he's got to figure that out first and then say, okay, let's create a plan from that. That's amazing. Yeah. I ask, I have a younger brother as well. And, uh, he, I pretty much handle the office side for our construction business and he's out in the field and, uh, it's two different parallels. And, uh, we, uh, we know the direction is, is pushing us towards real estate because the day in and day out work can just, just kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. So <laughs> What questions do we have on the list that we have? Um, well, go back sure. to go, going back to actually coaching. Um, I think we were talking more about this off camera before. Um, you were talking about how you first started and how you had a coach and that's how sort of your, you took yourself to the next level. And that's why we, we sort of wanted to start off with our coaches and mentors because, yeah. because of you and a select few others, like we are a, basically allowed to take steps and mm-hmm. to explode our business. Like we wouldn't be able to do on our own. Um, or if we did, it would have taken many more steps, many more missteps, mm-hmm. many, uh, many more different paths instead of just saying, you know, here, here is the opportunities in front of us. What are suggestions on how to get to the end goal in, in a way that's going to fit our, fit our goals and fit our, um, our criteria. So how did, um, how did your first coach help you? Well, let me show you this book I'm reading. This is what everyone should read. Think and grow rich. I, I did a podcast on this, Jake and I, a couple of weeks ago. It's all about specialized knowledge. That's one of his steps. That might be the fourth or fifth step in think and grow rich. People are afraid to spend money unless it's for a college degree. Once you get the college degree, put it away. If you want to make money in this business, you have to have specialized knowledge in something. Look at doctors, general practitioners do great. 
neurosurgeons do much better, right? Guys who are doing regular general real estate do okay, but guys who are really doing fix and flip and narrowing it down or doing multifamilies, narrowing it down really do well. So I think, I think people need a blend of personal development and I think they need a blend of specialized knowledge. And I think the other thing is people beat themselves up. We go to college for four years to get a four-year college degree. We get out, we get a $35,000, $40,000 job. They expect to read a couple of real estate books and jump in and buy a third unit complex. It doesn't work like that. We beat ourselves up and we're like, why can't we? Because it's a lot of work. I mean, on the yeah. front end, a lot of education goes into it. I got coached by Rich Dad, Poor Dad back in 2008. And then I got another coach back in 2010. So I had two different coaching programs. They both helped me immensely because they had systems in place, just listening to somebody every two weeks. And the problem that people don't understand if they've never been coached before is the accountability. So when Jason and I get on a call every two weeks, at the end of the call, he's got homework. So within the next two weeks, he's either has to read a book, he has to do research, he has to talk about the deal. He has to have something for the next call ready. And Jason, and like everybody else, is more willing to do that for me than he is for himself. So he doesn't want to let me down. So it holds him accountable to the next two weeks. And that's what <clears throat> was happening with me with coaching. I'd have this set of coaching, you know, a homework, we call it, basically. So it gets you prepared and it keeps you focused on your task. And I think that's what coaches do. You know, life coaches aren't there to tell you what to do. They're there to really pull out the answers for you because we all have the answers buried deep within us. We're just a little afraid sometimes. Business coaches are a little bit different. They consult more. Life coaches more, they have a more detached way of doing things and they're not there to give you advice. You're not, oh, what should you do? No, what should you do? It's all about asking those empowering questions in life. The better questions you can ask, whether you're a real estate negotiator, whether you're a life coach, the better answers you're going to get and the more fulfilling your life is going to be, even when you ask yourself those questions. So that's where I think a coach I think everyone should use a coach. I mean, everyone who's really successful, whether it's Tiger Woods, whether it's Michael Jordan, they have multiple coaches. They have a business coach, life coach, swing coach, financial coach, health coach, nutrition coach. They have all these guys to hold them accountable. And I think that's one of the most important things with coaching. Yeah. And I think it's, that's a huge point. I think we, we spoke about the, uh, the cost segregation lawyer that, um, that I just, I wasn't so happy with the service, but, it, but I really, I think it was a lot because I maybe wasn't asking the right questions. And for mm -hmm. that point, it, the service would going next time we had the same experience, I'm sure it would have been much better because I would have been prepared with a whole different, we'll say set of questions to go in there with. Mm -hmm. And so some of the timelines we were, Put off a little bit because we weren't prepared because one, we didn't, they, we would ask the questions, they would give us the answers, but they weren't giving us answers to questions that we didn't have prepared because we didn't know we should prepare those questions until it was too late. So mm -hmm. it's definitely a point, Dave, you got to ask the right questions. That's right. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, before we let you go, um, can you give our listeners some words to live by? Um, of course I think, well, for me, the most important thing now is in this economy, if you want to be successful, you've got to be able to give to get right. I mean, if you don't give of yourself, if you don't give of your knowledge, if you don't give of your time, you're not going to get anything in return. It was always, it's never about me, me, me. And that's what happens. It's you know, W W I I F M. What's in it for me? The nice yeah. radio station. It's not happening anymore. And, and the problem with the guru space is these guys are just not, it's all about their time. But they don't really want to connect with people. I think for you to serve and to help people out, I think it's one of the most important things, one of the most gratifying things. I mean, the six basic human needs. I don't know if anyone's a Tony Robbins fan. The yep. first four, we all have the first four, right? You know, love, I'm significance, uncertainty, certainty. It's the growth and connection, number five and number six, which really transform people. And when they're stuck, they're not growing. They're dying. They're, they're in their life. They're being comfortable. Being comfortable is really being boring. You're really, it's just not growing anymore. And you want to contribute 
contribute. You want to give back. I mean, that's what people basically are lacking when they're stuck. So try to find something, try to find something that, you know, whether it's what cause, whether it's the environment, whether it's helping families, whatever it is in life, try to find something that you're passionate about and try to give to that cause. That's, that's, I think in the end, that's what I think people really, really, I think they need help with. And I think if you can do that, you'll have a really successful and happy life. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the information that you've given us. Thank you for being our mentor and our coach. Um, And if people want to know a little bit more about you, uh, where can they please search you guys out here a little uh, company. I mean, I have my website, genobarbo.com. You want to get on the phone, just email me. I, you know, I've talked to anybody. I love talking on the phone. It's, it's a lot of fun because you start out with these questions and you ask people questions that they've never heard of. And it's like, you can hear the pause. Like, you know, where do you want to be in five years? Most people don't get that question no. and it really makes them think. And you can hear on the phone them thinking, which is really, it's really cool, you know, and you <laughs> ask people questions they've never been listened to. And it's just nice to broaden somebody's horizons. And the other thing I like to say is make every interaction you have from this day forward, make it, make it powerful, make it impactful, be present. I mean, I had, I went to pay my car loan off last week. Guy's 30 years old. I started talking to him. I started asking him questions. He's a wrestler. He used to be a former wrestler for WWE. Yeah, professional wrestler, right? I talked to him for 40, he's a finance guy, manager. Talked to him for 45 minutes. Best conversation of the day. So you never know. Ask people, be interested in people and listen. And the less you talk, the more you listen to, the more impactful you'll be. They'll love you for it. And it's, it was really cool. I mean, I never knew about it. And I grew up watching all the same guys he did. He was on the circuit for 10 years. Wow. wow. The guy. I was talking about his beard. I said, I like your beard, dude. Long hair. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I used to wrestle. I'm like, no. <laughs> no, you never know. So just be present in your, all your conversations and just be present going forward and try to enjoy, you know, whenever you interact with somebody. That's what life's all about. It's all about the interactions. It's all about, the, you know, the people you can build a relationship with. Sure. Nice. And then one more thing. Sure. You can also get... Uh, Jake and Gino have a book that it's called wheelbarrow profits. I know on the podcast, you can't see the title, you can't see the book cover, but I'm showing it. Um, wheelbarrow profits, look for it, get it on Amazon. It's an amazing read. You want to know about, here, I'll read it. How to create passive income, build wealth and take control of your destiny through multifamily real estate investing. And this goes step by step. It's basically your manual. For real for multifamily real estate investing. Thank you so much, Gino. Thank, Thank you, Gino. you so much. You're welcome, guys. Have a great day. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. 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 If you're looking for another awesome real estate podcast to check out, be sure to check out the world's longest running daily real estate podcast, the best real estate investing advice ever with Joe Fairless. Joe is a savvy investor and a great teacher and has a ton of awesome guests on there daily to provide you with every aspect of real estate investing advice ever. Again, it's the best real estate investing advice ever with Joe Fairless. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation Podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.